there. Move, please. Four walls build a home. What does he want us to see on these walls? The victims? One of these pictures doesn't belong. This is who we're looking for. Let's talk to her now. Hello, and welcome to Cheap Scares, a horror podcast that's going to get a little weird with it. My name is Sybil. Hello, Sybil. I want <laughs> to play a game. I own this game. Don't tempt me. Inside your body, I have placed 27 tiny bear traps strategically <sighs> placed around your, across your veins and arteries. To free yourself, you must record and edit a podcast about Saw 4 to be released by Halloween 2021. If you accomplish this task, you will receive a bear trap disintegrator pill and be free to continue your life. Live or die. Make your choice. <laughs> that, is, that is no sillier than one of the traps in this movie. Uh, I, it was a little sillier. Hi, I'm David. This is my fault. Uh, yeah, we're here to watch and talk about horror movies. Just a, a thing that I've kind of wanted to do for a while. And uh, also, it, like, it's an excellent excuse to sort of broaden my palate, you could say. And, and we started with something that broadened mine in that Saw 4 yes. is now my first Saw movie. So, the thing, the thing is... Halloween and horror movies tend to like go together. People mm -hmm. people think like Halloween's the scary holiday. People think, "Oh, and horror uh, horror movies are scary. We should we should watch those on Halloween." But the problem is people are like, "We should watch like well, Halloween or A Nightmare on Elm Street or like Scream." But Halloween is not a day to watch good movies. <laughs> Halloween <laughs> Is a day to watch something terrible and laugh at it. And so we are here with Saw 4. I did laugh at this. Your goal succeeded. <laughs> it's got some very funny parts. So before we get started, I do want to say, uh, in general, I actually really like the Saw series. It it didn't it didn't start the whole death game genre, but I feel like it was like le uh, in the front of the big wave as those started to get more and more popular. Mm -hmm. Um, like if you uh, thinking back, um, like probably Cube would count. Yeah, that's I've seen <sighs> that one. I could see how it would lead to the others. Saw just yeah, it's, seems it's, like it has more of a budget. Yeah. Uh well this one did. The Saw one not so much. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah. The first movie was made on an extreme budget and it made a bill a, like a gazillion dollars and so Lionsgate was like, Okay, we're doing this every year now. And they did, and people kept coming to see them, and then when the numbers started to go down, they they said, Okay, this is the last one. <laughs> Stop. It became a heptalogy is the word that I looked up today. Uh, right up until... So, it's, there was one... 
actually pr- like a pretty reasonable naming sch- naming scheme. It was just Saw 1, Saw 2, through Saw 6, and then Saw 3D, the final chapter. Okay, sure, whatever. A while later, they did uh, bring back bring it back with a new movie, uh, which I have not seen yet. Um, it's called Jigsaw, and just this year they released another one, which is like Spiral. kind of yes. a s- spiral. It's kind of a spinoff or a sequel, depending on who you ask. Apparently, okay. And I guess Lions- Lionsgate said uh, Saw Ten is in the works, and the filmmakers were like, "What?" Huh. Always a great sign when the cast and crew are unaware of these things. Of course. And so, like, what, what, is, what is the thing in this series that I like? Um, I, I think a big thing that this, this series, the first movie in particular, just kind of got right, right out of the gate, is uh, it's got the whole death game thing, uh, there's a game you you if you are good enough you can survive the actual survivability varies throughout the series yeah. but the idea is you can you can do it you just have to pull yourself together or to rip yourself apart or what what it's something that <laughs> something that ties in with your own personal sins so we got a nice good bit of good old-fashioned Catholic guilt in there as well, which I think really makes it work. See, to Jigsaw- me, this felt very Death Wish. Hey, I mean, yes, okay. you should have been it- doing better out there. Now I'm going to show you what you did wrong with a gun. Blammo. It, <laughs> it, it got there. It, it did get there. It's it sort of drifted that direction over time, really. Okay. Um, I the way the, what I have written down here in my notes is Jigsaw is your god, and he has determined your sins, and now you must atone for them. All right. Which is generally how I interpreted at least the first few movies. There's a couple in this one that seem questionable. There's there it's it's pretty questionable in this one. The whole thing with Saw is it came out and people were, of course, like, oh, my God, what is this disgusting filth? It's just gore. It's wallowing in human misery and the to- whole torture porn thing kind of uh, the, the that phrase was kind of hovering around for a while. I don't think that's necessarily true about like the first couple. Um. Like, uh, obviously, there is definitely some wallowing in human misery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but I feel like all uh, the thing that really hurt its reputation long term, I think it could have just drifted into the public consciousness as, you know, another horror movie series that got bad, but the first couple are good, which, you know, there's plenty of those. I'm a Hellraiser fan. I'm aware. That's a good, an excellent example. Or yep, nightmare, nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, maybe Friday the Thirteenth. We'll we'll be there someday. <laughs> uh, the thing that I think just murdered this series's reputation dead. Uh, about a little bit over a year after this movie came, after the first Saw came out, mm-hmm. was Hostel. 
Every yeah. accusation that people made about the original Saw was actually true about Hostel. That movie is the hottest trash. Eli Roth goes hard behind the director's lens. Eli Roth doesn't know how to not go hard on anything, whether he should or not, and usually shouldn't. Yep. But I, I do think that kind of ruined the whole thing. Like, uh, there was still an audience, people were still going to see it, but I feel like there, there would be more of a more understanding look at the early films than necessarily exists now. I I may pop back to one of the earlier ones just to compare when we're done here. Probably the marketing of the first movie was actually like genius. It was kind of it was kind of baked into the movie. It's there's two guys in like a filthy bathroom. They are chained to a wall. They have a hacksaw. You know one of them's gonna do it. Yep. And you just and so you're going into the movie wondering like how and why is this going to happen? And the answer is it's kind of stupid, but <laughs> that's not the movie we're talking about. But I I, th I think that is a big part of like the sort of huge success that it had and also the fact that it was made on 1 million dollars. And it just yeah. sort of like hovered around for a while um they they did also have i i recall they i don't know when it started but they did have like yearly blood drives uh around these movies yes uh i did see that doing a little bit of research they were still continuing by this one okay uh yeah i i, I know it was through the all of the original movies i don't know if they're still doing it i would just this year was weird with Lionsgate movies, so. may have continued it after the Saw franchise went under because they did just make it an annual quote give till it hurts drive. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they 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 really leaned into it. Probably the last thing I'm going to bring up before the recap. I th I think one one weird thing that doesn't necessarily make the movies better but it makes it more interesting to me personally. This was around the time of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or uh, 24 was going strong at this point. And just like people were starting to really get into the idea of TV or movies with continuous storylines and everything connects. And this series leans in into it really hard and I love it. But it does make it much stupider. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll get there. Yes, there's, there's an issue with the ending uh, of Saw 4, which we will uh, certainly get to there. But anyway, that, that's enough talking about good things. Let's get started with Saw 4. So we start the movie with the autopsy of Jigsaw. Who, he died at the end of uh, Saw Three, which is kind of a bold choice. He's they. Uh, it is uh, John Kramer is his name. We'll we'll be needing that. Uh, he spends the first movie lie uh, 
spoilers for Saw 1 through 3, by the way. Probably 5 through 7. So he, he spends the first movie lying in a pool of blood. Uh, just in the middle of the bathroom where the things are going on. He's believed to be a corpse. And then, oh my god, he stood up. He spends the second movie, like, sitting on a chair, talking about uh, how he's he's a cancer patient. He's super duper dying. And then Saw 3, he's, like, super duper ultra mega, I don't know. Uh, what's the special moves in Street Fighter called? Uh, EX. He's EX dying. Yeah, EX attack dying. Th then he doesn't even die of the cancer. He he gets his throat cut by a power saw. Anyway, yeah. we're here. <laughs> his body looks very much like people have been used. I didn't know this was Jigsaw at first. We're just at an old man's autopsy and a Roger yep. Ebert looking guy is supervising. And he's yep. got an open neck. And a chunk out of his head. Mm-hmm. It's a wild yes. time. Yes, he he had some impromptu brain surgery in three. It was it was a bad time, really. Yikes. So the autopsy begins. They just immediately cut off his scalp, open his skull, throw his brains in a uh, on a a uh, on a scale. It's. Uh, I don't know how to do autopsies personally, but I feel like there would be like more examination of things before you start chopping them open. But whatever, it, it's super gory. It's uh, the whole scene is just completely gray, except for the red blood of the inside of Jigsaw just everywhere. And they and went. Uh, they went hard with the effects. They peel back layers upon layers inside. It all looks pretty realistic. Some budget went into this. Yeah, the the gore people have always been very good. Uh, it's 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 generally it, it's almost entirely practical effects. I think that there was like a little bit of CGI in the seventh movie, which is looks terrible, of course. But I think there's it's, a it's mostly squib replacements. I caught in this one at most. Yeah, it's it's mostly just little things like they they really went hard with the the prosthetics and the like all of the traps are as presented more or less, but not deadly. I will give uh, them that the visual design is great. It it at no point was I taken out of it looking at one of these traps and going, oh, come on. They were stupid, <laughs> but they were they definitely were. selling the impromptu knife face machine. But the important thing is that uh, they cut open his stomach to see what's inside, which I'm I, I'm sure it is a thing that happens eventually, but it's like probably not 45 seconds into the whole into the autopsy, I would assume. You know, you do remove the organs just to see the state of everything. Just it's it's very quick is my general point here. True. But uh inside there is this big old block of wax and they find a tape in it. Uh this was this was actually this was a thing that was set up in three. They like doing this. They leave like two or three little sequel hooks in the movie that could mean anything and then pick up on them in the next one. 
Makes sense. Uh, That's, you know, horror movies a go-go. So they immediately call Detective Hoffman into the autopsy room, and he listens to it, and the tape is very, uh, very vague. It's something like, did, did, did you think you would walk away untested? Ha 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 ha, saw four. <laughs> Just because I'm dead doesn't mean the games are going to cease. It yes. is your turn, detective. And there's no there's no mention of a name, just detective, because he presumed that a cop would show up. Yeah, well, Jigsaw knows everything. He knows everything that everybody is going to do. He is God, just also dying of cancer. Uh, Hoffman was introduced in the last movie in Saw 3, and he didn't, like, do a whole lot, but it became... Like, if you're paying attention, you probably think they want him to do some pretty good things because uh, he is played by Costas Mandelar. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but uh, he he was no he is a known uh, actor mainly because I guess he was a main character in Picket Fences. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of t- a lot of the cops that they do put in the movie have like two or three credits tops before they show up in these movies, I think. I think the biggest name I picked out of anyone is there was a Wahlberg in here. Yes. 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 Donnie Wahlberg is uh, in this movie. He, he was introduced in Saw 2, but he will, he is not introduced for a little bit here. Because first, it's time for the first trap, which I have called Mausoleum Tug of War. Uh, there are two men. They have a chain around their neck connected to some sort of horrible winch box in the middle. Uh, one of them has his mouth sewn shut. The other has his eyes sewn shut. And this is about this is about where it starts being apparent that this movie is probably going to be stupider than the previous ones because uh, the guy with his eyes sewn shut just flips out and just starts attacking like everything around him. It's like, Which consists he, of air. Yes, yes. It's mostly <laughs> throwing things in the other guy's direction. Uh, 12 out of 10 panic just and the trap activates. Uh, they're both dragged to the center of the room. They're fighting. They're stabbing. It's, like, so messy. And it turns out there's keys on the backs of each other's necks, which, I don't know, that seems like the guy with his eyes open probably has a better shot of figuring that one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see a single way this ends that the guy with vision doesn't win. Yeah. At most, you get a stalemate. Uh, it doesn't even seem like there needs to be a winner. Like, both of them probably could have lived, but no, the guy had his eyes sewn shut. He had no idea what was going on, so he super died. Yeah. Cooperation I just mean, failed. I don't think there's any way that we get mutual cooperation. Even if that guy was know. calm, he can't be instructed. You know, he's got to be held to fix it. And I guess by this point, yeah. people know there's a saw game going down. Yes, yeah, so J- Jigsaw is an, like a known property at this point. Um, by the way, before I before we started recording, I did watch through the like all seven of the of the heptalogy. Uh, I I have not, like I said, I have not seen the newer movies, but you know maybe we'll get there. Maybe. 
So scene three, uh, well, no, I don't need to label. Yeah. I, I numbered them for my own sake, but I don't need to announce that. Also, I watched this movie with ad breaks, thanks to a streaming service that would let me do that for free. <laughs> so the first one kicks in right after this trap is done. And we immediately go from the dingy hotel room mausoleum to a washer-dryer ad, in my case, and it really just... I started laughing. Well, they're gonna need it. Like, really badly. The next one. The (laughs) next one was unintentional parody, but we'll get there. (laughs) Awesome. So the the cops show up at, like, a a sewer or something uh all of them uh, like a whole bunch of cops are there including rig from the previous two movies he is a young hot-headed black cop and f- even though they have sent their irobot brand tank rover in to investigate uh he sees carry uh, he sees detective carry on the monitor who died in the last movie and goes Oh my god, and just runs right on through. Just even the even though like every time anybody does this, like usually someone dies horribly. We already like, uh, knew there was one trap attached to the door, so mm-hmm. th- that there was any chance of others is wildly reckless. Yeah, um especially I I believe he was standing there in Saw 2 where uh a an unnamed SWAT team member uh he step he steps on uh, so there there is an unnamed SWAT team member who is faced with a set of stairs and he begins climbing them and then ac- accidentally activates Jigsaw's shin obliterator trap <laughs> which just it's just gone like disintegrated that man is never walking again uh, he actually Yikes. lived surprisingly but he was just like lying there moaning the last time we saw him <laughs> Woof. Okay. And there, there is a lot of cop stuff in the series. It kind of, like, tries to pretend like it's some sort of police procedural thriller, and it's totally not. It's not that at all. But the cops are there, like, there's always a storyline with the cops, and they are trying to solve the mystery, and they're completely incompetent, and they're, they all die. If they don't die in this movie, they're gonna die in a later movie. All, all I did account <laughs> of one of the reasons why I watched through all of these. Uh, mm-hmm. I decided to keep notes on uh, the Saw cops. I counted throughout the whole series. There were fourteen named police officers, and twelve of them died. That tracks with this movie, where I believe we get. Seven of them, or eight of them named, and seven die. (laughs) So they run in, they find out that she's dead, and the words, cherish your life, are written on the the wall in blood. And And Rick doesn't notice this, he's almost leaning on it until someone points it out. (laughs) He's sitting directly in front of it, which is quite amazing. Yeah. Um... So the the whole thing with this in the previous movie was that uh it was uh a device chained into her, uh her rib cage basically mm-hmm. that uh would 
uh, when the time ran out, it would just rip it right off. And there was a a jar with acid directly in front of her. Uh-huh. And a key was dropped into it, and she had to reach in and get the key and open the lock and to get herself out. And she did it. Like, she actually did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and uh turned out no no it doesn't work it doesn't work that way a different character who also died in saw 3 set that up and it was it was deliberately unwinnable which is one of the first ones of those i think there's you usually usually jigsaw is <clears throat> jigsaw has a whole thing about live or die make your choice and he he wants them to live. He doesn't kill anybody, and they they keep harping on that. And it's like nobody buys it. N- none of so the audience will ever buy it. Would that trap have been set up by Amanda Young, who they start name dropping here? Yes, yes, that would be Amanda Young. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's she's super dead. Yeah, they they start dropping the name Amanda Young. Well. Amanda Young weighed 110 pounds. She couldn't have lifted <laughs> this officer. And yep. like, what? Why? Who is Amanda Young? The old man was so, Jigsaw. What's this? Yes. So, again, continuity. Do you know what's going on? Great. Let's go anyway. Um, sh- She was in the f- very first movie. It's played by Shawnee Smith. Um. Mm-hmm. It was uh kind of kind of a flashback aside, but um her whole thing was she had a thing strapped to her head, which is kind of the thing tra- strapped to her head. It's kind of like a mascot of the series, really. It's the reverse bear trap. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is, I was about uh, to ask if it was one of those. Yep, it is uh stuck in her jaw, and she has to cut open some poor schlub that's also in the room to get the key out of his body to open it up and then she's also a major character in the second movie and then it turns out she's in on it Hmm. and i i guess the cops know and now that i think about it i don't recall them ever the cops ever finding out because that was like the big cliffhanger ending there it's so is it um, da, 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 Hoffman who drops the name? It might I th- be. I, d- I think that's the only way that makes any sense, given where we end. Yeah. Yes, and probably he probably dropped. And he could he could have dropped uh, that information. He could have di- he he could he could have discovered it legitimately because he's not a crooked cop. Um. <laughs> Anyway, they're all crooked cops. It's it's a theme. A lot so, of my notes on him being so bad at his job make sense when I realize, oh, okay, at the end. <laughs> you should probably watch these movies before we start talking about them. Yeah, this... You should definitely <laughs> not jump to this one out of nowhere, because, boy, uh, the first half of my notes are just straight up naming cops down in shorthand because <laughs> nobody is saying a name they're just detective or mark or but yep. they're not going to be mark all the time oh and speaking of names uh federal agents show up from the fbi it is 
Agent Strom and Agent Perez. They are no nonsense. They are here to do business. And uh, Perez has a like a super tight ponytail in this scene. Like she loosens it up later. But it's it's a very business ponytail in this one. Also, I misheard Strom's name, so my note just had Agent Lindsay Perez and Agent Peter Stormare. Yeah, it, it it's not really clear how to pronounce or spell that. It's a S-T-R-A-H-M. They mutter it because the sound mixing is not amazing. I don't think the subtitles got it right. I should have turned those on. <laughs> Uh, so Strom is the one who goes, well, Amanda Young couldn't have done this, nor could John Kramer. They're too light and or dying of cancer. So there must be another accomplice. And that immediately solidifies him as like the single most competent saw cop, like of all of them. <laughs> yeah, these two FBI agents, very good at their jobs. It doesn't do them any good, but. So that's pretty much the end of that scene. Uh, later, Rig is watching the interrogation of another character. It is Jill Tuck, the wife, the ex-wife of Jigsaw. And there's some books and magazines about John Kramer. There's, there's <laughs> true um, crime books about Jigsaw! Which is, I guess, I guess it kind of sets the time period. Uh, they do specify later it's about six months after Saw 2. Okay, yeah, because I was that, wondering... Yeah. That is when they discovered who the identity. He's there watching that, like obsessing. Uh, Jill Tuck is like a new character. Actually, they kind of oh. make it seem like she's not. She yeah. was in like a couple of flashbacks with like maybe one line in the last movie. But okay, she she's just she's just here now. She's like a, a major character. And she's just going to continue to be that through the rest of the series. I'll be damned. I, I don't know. Uh, so Hoffman and the feds show up and Hoffman's like, Rig, you need to take some time off. And Rig's like, uh, or Hoffman and the feds show up. Hoffman's like, Rig, you need to go take some vacation time. And Rig's like, uh, but Matt, Detective Matthews could still be alive. Another character. <laughs> yep. Uh, that, that is, uh. The character played by Donnie Wahlberg of New Kids on the Block. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Thank you. Hanging chains. So he was the the main cop in Saw Two, and then he is locked in a room. He is locked in the bathroom from the first Saw, and then it, it's implied that he's dead. And then the next movie, it's like, no, Amanda came back and like totally attacked him and it makes it look like she killed him there no no they got him back again whatever <laughs> it's not it's it's not like a plot hole it's just it just they they made it deliberately ambiguous and uh one thing i did learn from uh it, this may or may not be true but the imdb trivia section for this movie does say that um he was not originally going to be in this movie because he had a schedule conflict and then it uh that uh resolved itself by the time filming started so now he is and that's why he doesn't really do anything in this movie but yeah 
again, we'll get there. Anyway, this turns oh, yeah. into a demand, go home, get some vacation time. This scene, this whole stretch, is the bit in the first act that just had me laughing the hardest because <laughs> the true crime books, the <laughs> fact that everyone's telling you, look, man, this guy doesn't take prisoners. It's been six months. Your buddy's dead. Yeah, but he could be out there. Okay, you need to go home. And his wife is packing <laughs> up to head out for a few <laughs> days, which honestly yeah. I think is a good plan. Could, oh, yeah. Could, and she's like, you can't save everybody. She says that very specifically, and this will come back. Uh, she's like, you can't save everyone because all like all of your coworkers are dying right in front of you. And how dare you think you can save them, I guess. It's kind of fucked up, really. Yeah, that's the one. So everyone keeps saying he's obsessed with this, but he's, at least as I saw it, he's just going, I want to find a body. I want to get the guy who did this. That sounds like good copmanship. Yeah, but this is a Saw movie. Apparently. That doesn't go well for any of the people who try it. But I legitimately <laughs> thought his wife was leaving him here, and he walked in on it, which would have been the ultimate dark joke. Yeah, no, she, she's not. She's just going to visit or take care of her mom or something. It's vague. And I think they said, never... like, the roof, the roof caved in or something. Yeah, it, Anyway, we never see her again. <laughs> no, she, I kept expecting because there are photos of her showing up all along his route. Yeah, so apparently she was supposed to be in the the trap where uh, Donnie Wahlberg is standing originally. Huh. And so that okay. I, guess, I guess that was the idea, but then they were like, nah, no, nah, let's get the new kid in here. Well, okay. I don't. I don't actually know anything about Donnie Wahlberg. Like you said, one of the Wahlbergs, which immediately tells me I know nothing. Oh, so you haven't dealt with the entire saga of Wahlbergers, the Wahlberg family family hamburger joint that got its own reality show. Correct. I've never heard of this. Okay, I don't think I can explain it to you, but as a one-time television critic. There are realms out there that you will not see if you don't venture into the depths of Z-tier reality shows. <laughs> yes. I, I, I've i seen a couple of them. Like, uh, there were, it, usually it's like I'm in the waiting uh, room of, like, a car repair place, and I think they had HG, HGTV on. It's That's one of them, right? Yeah. It's pretty much all just all those shows. Oh, I'm talking way lower. I'm talking <laughs> the time I got a paycheck to cover a season of Hulk Hogan's Micro League Wrestling. Ooh. Did you know Hulk Hogan put his name on a show and federation of little people wrestlers? I oh, didn't, no. and I was a wrestling fan. Oh, no. Yeah, it's as bad as you'd think. Cool. When was this? Uh, Probably around the time of this movie, actually. <laughs> Okay, like 2000s, mid-2000s. Mid yeah. Okay. They're, yeah, they were trying a lot of things then, and the, like, I, 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 probably Little People Big World was blowing up. 
Yep. And that would have been the same. And then it's like, no, let's do that, but trashier. Yes. So anyway, it's all Anyhow, his, his wife tried to talk him out of the insane vengeance trip, and then we cut from the wife leaving the movie to a flower ad, and I was <laughs> crying. I was crying laughing. It's beautiful. It was amazing. Look, she just wants a flower, really. This will solve everything. Please, you can buy a bouquet. Put some on the graves. I don't care. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> oh, no, it would turn into some sort of bouquet trap, though. <laughs> Hello, Rig. You're going to have to reach through this thorn bush, and maybe there's something in here. I don't know. I've filled Buns. an entire room with thorns. <laughs> so anyway, the fe it cuts from there to the feds hanging out, and they're, like, filling in plot holes, pretty much. Uh, let's see, what I wrote down was that, uh, Jigsaw was the owner of the Urban Renewal Group, and this is, I think this is where they named Jill Tuck, which, they're go the entire rest of the series, they pretty much just say Jill Tuck in full, so that's what I'm going to do. Yes, <laughs> because if we just called her Jill, she would probably blend in with five other characters. Uh, apparently, Detective Carey of the Exploded Chest uh, had sent them a message that two officers might be in danger. Uh, it's n never really clarified how she knows that or where she got that information or anything, really. And the one uh, Perez is like, let's tell Hoffman and Strop's like, no, I, I am your superior, Blah. and that's, I, uh, of course, when Hoffman shows up. I did wonder why you would not tell. I get, keep it down, but maybe tell the guy whose partner just went home angry about this is some good advice. Yeah, At least put a detail on his place. It might be, like, related. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, Hoffman's just, th like, there. He's like, hi, I've got a stuffed animal, bye. But uh, another cop runs in. This is uh, a new cop for this movie, I believe, uh, who I have his name written down somewhere here. Fisk, the, mm -hmm. an Asian man with a shaved head. He is in this movie and the next one, and he actually survives. If he was in six, he would probably have been murdered. He, but... he makes some great faces. I think the bald <laughs> plus his weird glasses just amplifies whatever his face is doing at any given time he's he's there for exposition mostly he yeah. he walks into a scene and says something that you need to know no he doesn't even walk into a scene he will pop the top half of his body through doors every time <laughs> uh, the doll you guys need to see this so the stuffed animal is for a girl he's not married it's a short story no further details. This is just one of those things that they put in so they can pretend there's foreshadowing. That one I that's, did just write off as, okay, I'm, I'm missing some stuff again. Yeah, that's, uh, th that, that's definitely something specifically for a rewatch, and you can go, oh, I should have seen that coming, but no. Yeah. Uh, so... From there, we go back to Rig Rig's apartment. He takes all his clothes off and hangs around, looking really hot. Uh, but then he hears a noise. He goes to the room that I guess they're painting, because there's tarps everywhere. And there's a window open. Oh, no, someone grabbed him, and uh, the next scene. 
Yep. <laughs> and and we, uh, we cut to Hoffman making a call. Oh, no, someone grabbed him. <laughs> we, nobody even <laughs> grabs him. We just see a mask behind his head. Yes. And later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's it's the pig mask thing is like a recurring theme. Every time someone gets kidnapped and dragged into one of the ga- one of the Jigsaw's games, uh, it's always I'm someone sure wearing a pig mask. Also, also there was a uh, back to Fisk. There, he's uh, he's me- having a meeting with another <laughs> another cop. Who uh, in my cop list, I, I did write down a few people that didn't have names because I noticed them. Uh, this is this is the same lady who was in. Saw three. There was just one scene where she just uh, leans into the frame, goes, "You won't believe this. We got the tape out clean," and then disappears <laughs> for the rest of the movie. And she basically does the same thing again in this one. <laughs> but the, the there was a bullet casing. The prints match. Yeah. End scene. Nobody says with what for thirty minutes. So you know, up to this point. Like uh, as I was watching this again, I was. It's just like, so far it's it's fine, like a little confusing, but you know, it's it's fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. But the thing about this movie is, you know, those videos where like somebody is driving a truck towards an underpass that's too short. Mm-hmm. And you see it go, you can see the truck going there and you're like, oh no, don't do it. Don't do it. And they do it. They hit it. They, they hit the underpass and like things start going bad. And then they like come to a stop while they try to figure out what just happened. And yes, just sort of like, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And then finally they just floor it. Possibly, you know. Can opening the truck? Yes. Yes. So th- th- that's kind of how I feel about this movie. <laughs> and right now we're going to hit the gas. Mm-hmm. So Rig wakes up in his bathtub. He's getting showered on. He's still in his underpants. Uh, let's see. There's a, bl- there's a bloody question mark on the door. There's like a knocker or something hanging on there, and he takes it as a weapon. I- I'm not totally clear what that was about. Yeah, it looks like a sharpened robe hook, but wrought iron. That that could be it. Yeah. It, it we get like a, it, it's only on screen for like a second at most. He throws it away instantly. <laughs> but uh, he opens the door into his bedroom. The TV turns on, and Jigsaw is there, and he's also talking about how Rick's always trying to save everybody. To stop those around you from making the wrong choices. And he's going to give Rig the opportunity, an opportunity. Uh, Rig finds his gun. They, they left him his gun, I guess. Yeah, that's a weird call. Uh, the TV then changes to a, an image of <laughs> one of the weirder traps in this whole series. So Hoffman is tied to a chair, gagged. Uh, Eric Matthews of New Kids on the Block fame is uh, hanging by his neck, still alive somehow. Uh, he is standing on a block of ice that is melting. Or no, the, the, the heat, heat lamps, lamps will on. turn will turn on 
once the timer starts, I think. And it is melting, and there's you have ni- 90 minutes, and it's not really clear how they timed that so well, but... I, I think it's meant to be the 90 minutes make it seem like a threat, but yes. they also know it's not going to burn up in 90 minutes. He will still be standing fine. It does turn out the 90 minutes is something else, but they really try to make it seem like it's... Uh, how much time is on the ice block? The They're sitting on, like, some sort of seesaw contraption. <laughs> and the if, seesaw? If, I didn't if, even realize that for half the movie. It's not clear at all. Uh, there's, <laughs> like, the, the water drains into the bottom, and it's hooked up to some generators, I guess. And if Hoffman is too heavy on his side, uh, he's... He gets electrocuted, is the idea. It's yeah. it's a hell of a thing. You know, how do you even test that one? It's, it, you trust in how good you are. I guess, how do you trust, how do you test any of these, I suppose? All right, I'm going to put the cabbage <laughs> through the face machine. Let's see if this goes, whoops. Every now Close and then off. you do see, like him testing out a trap in his warehouse but like or he he finds some random victim to test out his a, a certain trap but like it's always like one of the really small scale ones like like the the knife face thing yeah it's never this and i know that elsewhere in this franchise is like a pit full of needles i guess that doesn't really need testing <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the the needle pit was a hell also a hell of a thing um apparently oh, that would make me cringe so that one uh that was a uh, a bunch of hypodermic needles specifically that one i do actually know they uh they went through and manually replaced the tips of all of them and also had like four doctors standing by just in case oh i imagine there's there's always medical personnel ready to go. I actually don't think they ever had a serious injury on the sets. So, good I on mean, them. that's that's legitimately good. You, I feel like you need to be careful when you are working with this many knife-like, hook-like, <laughs> pointy thing. With hell, just mm. accidentally getting a finger or some hair stuck in the gears that we're gonna see yep. in five minutes. There's there's winches and stuff. It's it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, there's photos hanging all over the apartment, but there's uh, most notably there's someone s- strapped to a chair wearing a pig mask with the words are uh, the words "see what I see" are written on the wall. Mm-hmm. And she's holding a tape player. Of course, this movie has so many tapes. <laughs> also. I didn't know the pig mask was a recurring motif, so the angle he comes in at, I just thought a bear was tied to this chair. It pro- usually it's not gonna be a bear. I couldn't tell what I was looking at because <laughs> she's lit by the monitor that's on, and so when he comes in from behind and the whole thing just looks like a shapeless foil, I just thought, yeah. Did they chain up a bear in his apartment? Is it about to go off? Yeah, this movie does this have rules. This movie does have a really bad problem where they just have cuts that are way too quick on things that you need to like t- 
take a moment to process what's going on. Oh, and it just gets worse. Yeah, the end of this scene, you mean? <laughs> uh, so it turns out there is a blonde woman. There is a uh, uh, jigsaw pops up saying this person needs help, but it's not your job to save them. You should walk away. She's a criminal. Um, You're wasting so your time. I called this. I'm going to call this trap the braids tugger. Mm hmm. Uh, we have very similar names. <laughs> I have uh, the ponytail of death trap. Uh, it is uh, it is a blonde woman with long hair. The hair is tied to, uh, another winch, a winch gear thing. Uh, there's a whole mechanism, and um, it is it is turning and pulling her. Eventually, uh, after he like messes around with the stuff that's covering her up. Uh, it goes off and it starts pulling her hair back and it's uh, ripping off her scalp. And this is about where I was thinking, oh, they're going to do a thing like uh, this. Is, we're going to have the traps be in the order of the autopsy at the start. No, no, we're not doing that. It's just coincidence. That would have been way more clever. And slowly the gears on this thing, because it has a lot of gears all spin around in a way that's time to tell him the combination on a lock. Yes, the, I wrote I wrote it down just in case it was a thing. It's not a thing. It's just it's 647. Um he does try to cut her hair at one point, but he can't like they took away all his knives. <laughs> they left him a mocking card in the kitchen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves the room for something. He leaves the room for something. And uh, she's lying on the floor covered in blood, and she goes... I, I think he's, like, going for something to, like, help treat her wounds, because they're really bad. Yeah. Part of her sculpt's been ripped off. Yes. Very noticeably. Um, oh. She opens a cabinet under the TV and finds the only knife, <laughs> which really would have been helpful a minute ago. Yeah. Um, but, and she attacks him and she's like really upset about it, but he grabs her by the scalp, which is half torn off and then throws her into a mirror. And it's a really confusing transition into the next scene. Yes. (laughs) Slams her into the mirror, which shatters and leads us into everyone at the police station discussing what they found 20 minutes ago. Apparently that was a practical thing. They like literally threw her into the next scene. Yeah. And just moved the I, camera I, through. Like it 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 look it, it works really well, but like it takes a moment to go what? What just why did was, you okay? <laughs> on the one hand, I want to praise them because that's incredibly clever, but as the only shot of its nature in the entire movie, I'm just mm. left wondering what? Not true. There's a second. Okay, okay, I do vaguely recall, I don't remember where. We'll get there. Anyway, the prints are in and they're rigs. And someone heard gunshots. Next scene. (laughs) Yeah, so we immediately cut right back there. Yeah, we're right back. Uh, She's hella bleeding, is what I wrote down. Mm -hmm. Uh, He plays her tape, uh, the uh, the tape that she had in her hand. Uh, It's Jigsaw saying... Riggs, he's the officer is going to use the photos as evidence to put you in prison. 
and by the way, there's a thing under the TV. You can, it's like a knife or something. You can do whatever with it, really. Yeah. So it's up to you. The key to your, the key to your escape is underneath the television. Because if he had said knife, she probably would have just said, "Cut my hair, cut my hair." There's a knife under the TV. He doesn't say that. It's just... <laughs> uh, also the knife has a G on it. Which yes, which will come up in the <laughs> dumbest reveal. Yes, eventually, vague, like weirdly, a very stylized G. It is a it is a noticeably weird G. Yes. Uh, let's see. He checks his cell phone, but it's it's busted, of course. And there's two keys by the door, and it says like. There's like a note saying one to save a life. One of these will save a life and one will take it away. Yep. But one of them is the key to a motel room, so he's got his next destination. Yep. I, I guess this is the first time we get like a proper scene there. We go to where Hoffman and Matthews are hanging out. Yep. I started labeling these scenes hanging, hanging with the Hoffmans. Ha! Uh... Light, uh, that's when the heat lamps turn on, and I also wrote, there's absolutely no way he managed to stay up, upright on ice unconscious without slipping off. There's a lot about his half of the trap that does not track. Yeah. What, one of his feet is in a, uh, it's in a cast because of things that happened in other movies, and the other foot is bare, and it's like, it looks bad. It looks real yeah. bad. I didn't like, know why he had the big metal boot with screws in it and then just a barefoot on ice. So the thing that happened was he was he was chained up uh and then he just beat the living shit out of his ankle to get it out to just hmm. like squeeze it out, you know, one of those really uncomfortable to watch scenes. And then uh yeah, and then then that's the scene in Saw 3 where he he comes out and then Amanda attacks him, and then it's, uh, did he die this time? Nope. Mm. And we get, uh, like, some flashbacks to his solitary imprisonment. They don't matter. It looks like it sucked real bad. He went full Willard. Yeah. And it's it's really great, I guess, that they brought Donnie Wahlberg back for two full movies, even though, the like, the only thing he does starting about, like, five minutes before the end of Saw 2 is just scream some variation of, I'll kill you, you fucking bitch. Ha! Like, that's all he does this whole, like, this movie and the last. Every single scene is just, just like, I'll kill you, or fuck you, or you fucking bitch. It's weird. Eh. I guess when I'm imprisoned, I'm probably going to get really tetchy about things too Especially the next for six months the next scene i really want to like shine a spotlight on uh the cops show up to, to save the day i guess i don't know they're way too late they're at rig's mm -hmm. apartment uh someone says i got one and some uh, uh, or i got one and someone else says i got the other one which is not clear i don't i don't know what the other one was they never no clarify that uh so Strom and Perez, the feds, they come in and they have a conversation <laughs> that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, it's like some C for Catwoman shit, basically. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's pictures on the wall. There's two detectives 
and th- that means they're in the game and Matthews is alive and maybe evil. Uh, Hoffman's dirty. There's four walls build a home on the wall. Uh, it rigs either the accomplice or the alibi. Also, there's a picture of Jill Tuck here. Let's go talk to her. End scene. Like No, no, no. You are underselling this because I took this down. So- <laughs> four walls build a home can only be seen under a black light. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I forgot about the black light. <laughs> and then Strom grabs four pictures without blinking off different walls. Four walls build a home. These photos don't match the others. Jill Tuck. We've got to find Jill Tuck. And th- I guess he knows that's who the woman is in the four photos he pulled in the four walls that make a home. And then we cut away and... None of this has made any sense to me. <laughs> it's like 45 seconds from the start of this to the end of the yeah, scene. He it's doesn't stop. He just goes from one to the other. How did he know the invisible ink was there <laughs> to kick this off? So Every it, part of it. I, I the, It seemed like the invisible ink thing just like just happened at exactly the right time for him to continue his deduction, I guess we can call it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm thinking maybe this is going to be the clip at the start of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I may use it. Uh, so the feds barge into what looks like a hospital. It's a it's a clinic. I don't think they clarify in this movie. She runs like a sort of rehab ish clinic. Yeah, so they mentioned that briefly. Okay, it's it's a place where uh. Where junkies can go to get some medical care, basically. Yeah, methadone. Methadone, methadone and, and stuff. But they just arrest this blonde woman randomly. Yep. And then <laughs> this is why I started going with how many films has she been? Because her interrogation, she's going, you've already got hundreds of hours of talking to me <laughs> about my asshole husband. What is this? Yeah, no, she, she, like I said, she's just, like, in a couple of flashbacks in the last movie, and she didn't say anything. So. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, also, uh, Strom demands th- that they turn on the air conditioning, or they turn off the air conditioning. Yep. And, like, she doesn't seem to ever be bothered by it, only he does. <laughs> like, he keeps taking off, uh, like, his coat and... Uh, rolling up his sleeves and all of that. Like, it seems like it upsets him more than it does her, really. I I think he's using it to, like, hulk out. We're gonna get real mad because this room is stuffy. Mm, I see. I don't know. I see. It's a superpower. He is definitely playing bad cop. He's he's min-maxing. I get it. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Hanging with the Hoffmans, too. They're hanging out. Some other guy just wanders in and they wiggle at him. But he just goes to a computer that's there, and it's got, like, six monitors and a ball mouse. And he sets a gun down. Oh, and he's got a uh, Everybody's got a gun. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of guns in this one. It's wild, because he says nothing. He just comes in, flicks some switches, puts a gun down, and looks like he's going to go to sleep in this chair. Yeah, it, we, we don't find out who he is for quite some time. Yep. So then we arrive at the motel. It's completely decrepit. Uh, there's a random guy at the entrance that just yells at him for some reason, and he just runs past the desk clerk, goes up to... Uh, it was I wrote, I wrote this one down as well, room 261, uh, mm-hmm. which is also not significant, it turns out, but it's there in the notes. So before, 
Before we go into what happens in this room, okay. let's just talk about... I want to ask you, this film especially seems to really fucking hate people who are coded as drug users. Yeah. Is yeah, that no. a running thing? Mm, doesn't really come up that often, but yeah... There's just an angry, screaming guy at the seedy motel who's going off on rig. There's the clerk who's obviously going, uh, sir, sir, where are you going? All right, whatever, I don't get paid enough for this. Yeah. But between that dude and any scene longer than five seconds in the clinic tending to end <laughs> in violence, I don't get the sense the writers think that, um, think that drug users are people anymore. Yeah, I would I would say the the writing in this series is all over the place. I think this is this is the first one that's not written by the writer of the first three, or well, obviously the the same per uh, the same person wrote the first three, and then they started switching writers up here. So gotcha. Um, okay, it's it's kind of up and down. I would say usually if the drug user is caught in a one of Jigsaw's traps to. Uh, atone for their their sin of drug use usually they're a little bit more sympathetic not here though mm -hmm. this guy no no nobody in this movie <laughs> all right just wondered i didn't know if that was a recurring theme yes and no i'm going to say okay uneven it's a lot more uh, nah never mind so he goes in the into the uh, motel room. There's a box already on the bed just for him with a photo of his wife on the top. Uh, there's like a bunch of hair poking out of the side. And I think we're supposed to think it's her head. It, it's not, of course. Uh, it's, it's I, a, I didn't know. I thought it was a head box. It's it's not. It's uh, if if it was going to be a head box, we would have seen her trap where she loses her head. That would have happened first. <laughs> I didn't know that. They they are not going to uh, hold out on a decapitation. Okay. For a flashback. But no, um, it's a it's one of the pig masks. With, it's, it's a horse. A, a bunch of hair. It's a horse. It's a horse. I wrote this down as a horse mask. Maybe oh. it's supposed to be a pig, but it looks like a horse to me. I'll have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's always a pig. Okay, um, well, there my notes <laughs> say horse. There's, so, going on the pig motif, uh, one of the traps in Saw 3, which is about where I started going, oh, I'm the, the cracks are starting to show on this series. Um hmm. There's a guy who is chained at the bottom of a a vat, a giant vat, let's call it. Mm -hmm. It's got like a a super industrial blender attached to it and they just start bringing in rotten dead pigs and liquefying them onto him and there's like a t it's like can will you say Jeff will you save him before he drowns in disgusting pig gunk? Pig quid. <laughs> yes, the pig quid. Um, <laughs> it's really gross, but that's that's kind of why I'm, I'm thinking it's pro it's probably another pig. 
I guess they would have a lot of spare pigs if that's the case. Yeah. Boy, right. that was so gross. Really, I feel bad about inventing the word penguin. I like it. I mean, I don't like it, but I like it. All right. Anyway, there's also a mugshot of the desk clerk uh, and another tape. <laughs> so many yep. tapes. Uh, it's like, in the next room are the tools to his salvation. Uh, his life is in your hands, but in the end, only he can save himself. Uh, fortunately, he's just at the door already. Yeah. Just to check it out. Like, like no strange man has ever barged into this motel before. Like, come on. Also, how did you know what room he was at? I, I, I guess it just assumed that you followed him, but the time doesn't match up. And there's a thing that comes to nothing here where the tape goes, there are cameras everywhere. You're going to need a mask. So he becomes the she-horse, yeah. but only for one scene. And uh, he only uses it to go through the adjoining room door. And no one ever finds this camera footage. Yeah. Yeah, no, that doesn't come up again. No. Real weird. I'm pretty sure he's not wearing the mask when he leaves that other room. No, he's not. He he takes it off as soon as they go into the red room. <laughs> I I don't know what the purpose of the mask is other than to just show him putting it on. So we go back to the interrogation there and he's uh, Strom is starting to get like real yelly. Uh, it's like, why are your photos there? Four walls, build a home, cherish your life. What does any of this mean? And then it flashes back. We we begin our first flashback. There's got there's gonna be some flashbacks. There's quite a few. There's one detail here. We've had a couple of discussions where, I guess, four walls build a home is an urban renewal project mm -hmm. that Kramer and uh, Tuck worked on together. Yeah, which and, they already knew about. Yeah, and also. She's denying ever hearing that, you know, that was my husband's stuff. But then he pulls out a brochure with Cherish Your Life under her clinic and her mugshot. It's like, <laughs> you made it the line of your clinic. <laughs> None of this is going to hold up. Why are you lying about this? It's reflexive. I guess. I suppose if I were married to a jigsaw... I would also start going, please shut up about this, please shut up about this, please shut up about this, especially in a world where true crime has already found this out. Jump this forward ten years, imagine how many podcasters are hunting down Jill Tuck. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh no. <laughs> I don't actually listen to any true, true crime podcasts, but I would assume... Most of them are pretty pushy. Oh, uh, there's a bit based on that in Halloween 2018, and mm, love it. Pays <laughs> off perfectly. All right, did not watch that. Maybe it's pretty good. Maybe we'll get there. Yeah, I think we'll probably have to check in on it. So we flash back so the to the clinic. <laughs> And I wrote, uh, there's some of the drug users are having a fight. They're having a big old junky battle. And I wrote, they aren't cherishing their lives. No. 
And John's upset. One of them pulls a knife. And so for the entire rest of the movie, this is Knife Guy. Uh, <laughs> he said, he said, uh, John, John Jigsaw Kramer, uh, he walks up, he, he says like calm, but scary ish things until the guy like puts his knife away. I guess they do eventually say his name is Cecil, I think. Yes. But he's knife guy. We get back to the present where the Fed is insisting that every piece of evidence points to her as the accomplice. Does it do that? I don't know about that. I mean, if you have no one else to work with, then that's kind of how the cops work. Yeah. And then he drops the uh, everyone's favorite line. I don't have to convince everybody. Just 12 people. Yeah, um, that's a wild move. Although, he's probably not wrong in that if they don't have any other leads, she will get railroaded for this. Yeah. Uh, get another flashback where the happy couple, John and Jill, they're checking out John's cool new workshop. It's, uh, I don't know, it just kind of looks like a normal warehouse, but he's like talking it up like it's a really special, super awesome thing. Like so it's a, a, we, a difficult deal went down to get this. We just moved uh, a lab and warehouse at my day job. I had to help coordinate that. And we basically made a back room that looks exactly like this. <laughs> so I was watching this scene going, am I Jigsaw? Am I the third accomplice? Did we Jigsaw? <laughs> uh, it depends on how much engineering you start doing. Once once you start making... Uh, Make, making, like, uh, I don't know, just something with blades. Ni just We're knives that are supposed to in cut Texas, into you. We might be doing that soon. Mm. <laughs> Probably we not going to make a knife death machine. Probably, but my boss is a cokehead, so this could go a lot of ways. Okay. And there's a clock in the warehouse. It's got 300-year-old parts. Look at this clock. It's important. It's a metaphor. I like that clock. Also, there's a crib there because she's that. This is how we established that she was pregnant, and he pulls out one of his fucking jigsaw dolls, and like but is this, this one has hair. Yeah, it has hair. It, it's this stupid spooky clown thing, and it's just like, oh, is this the origin? Was he going to give this to a fucking baby? Really? Okay. <laughs> All right. Have sure. you ever heard of the sitcom Life in Pieces? Uh... I don't think so. It is probably the darkest sitcom CBS will ever put on the air again. It it fizzles out at a certain point, but mm -hmm. it's got a great cast of character actors. Uh, they just kind of jump between all these different branches of the family doing their own stories. And one running joke that I love is that the retired dad just needs some hobbies, so he makes a puppet and it's got this horrendous <laughs> red hair. It's Howdy Doody, horrible face. Right. And he just calls it Cheeto. And every once in a while, they will just bring up that he still has Cheeto. And it, it makes for the best <laughs> accidental jump scare in the middle of a scene. <laughs> it's, it's a very good runner. Okay. Cheeto is your new younger brother. Oh, ah. oh Cheeto. <laughs> <laughs> is it just like they they just like reach off screen and pull out Cheeto basically? It like it might just pop up from the bottom of the screen, or he'll pull it out from <laughs> you. It will always catch you off guard, as well as everyone in the scene. It's great, and possibly everybody on set too. They may yes. not have known. 
it's a very well used gag, and that's <laughs> just what I thought of with the hair on this thing. All right, it's it, the, you usually see them like on a tricycle or something. It's, it's yeah. All, there's there's one of those symbolism. in there. I don't know why the tricycle is there. The, they do. I think they do bring this up at some point. It, I'm not sure if it was this one or five, but it's just like. Why the tricycle? And she's just like, didn't you keep anything from your youth? And that's the last we ever hear of that, I think. <laughs> oh, okay, this puppet-sized tricycle came from when he was a little boy, sure. It, it was supposed to be for the new baby, which <laughs> w- d- didn't happen, as we'll find out. Yeah, uh, okay. So we're at the hotel. The desk clerk is kind of upset that he's got a gun pointed at him, which is understandable, really. And uh, mm-hmm. Rig just starts, like, pacing back and forth, muttering to himself, which I, I don't know if we're there yet, really, but uh, sure. Yeah. Um, But he's got the other key, demands, uh, demands the, I, I wrote clerk here because we don't get his name until after he dies, but his name is Ivan, I guess. Yep. Um. So they unlock the adjoining room, and now it's kind. It's it's all red. It's a dark room. It's got tons of photos of dead women, probably prostitutes, and some shackles yeah. around the bed. Yep. And this is probably the furthest the film goes into. Boy, we didn't need this for a character's backstory territory. Um, I, I, I labeled this trap the drawing and quartering eyeball poker thing, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, one, once I thought about it, I actually, I, I think I see what they were going for, but it's weird and confusing and gross. Um. Yeah. There's another tape in there. This is the second, or, uh, is this the third tape that we found in this section, or is it just the second? Uh, it's the second in the motel segment. Anyway, I started writing down the, uh, the quotes exactly because I figured some of them would probably turn into the twist endings. Uh, you are one step closer to truly understanding how to save a life. You find yourself torn. His salvation is out of your hands. I don't know why I'm doing this. It is your choice if you wish to put it into his own. And then it switches to a video of him raping and murdering some women. Yo. It's just it's just playing the entire rest of the scene as like ugh. it's very very unpleasant. This like, is it, the only thing in the entire film I fast forwarded by. Yeah, it's like it's not really anything graphic. It's just it's just a, she's tied to a bed and he's like humping, but like with all of the other supporting evidence around, it paints a picture. Every once in a while, he says something that really ramps it up, and it's like, nope. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I wrote down any of those. But uh, no, I wouldn't be reading them either. He insists he doesn't know nothing. A... Despite being on the tape. Oh, th- this is the third tape. And so this uh, this evidence proves uh, fairly compelling, it turns out, to strapping him into the, the death machine. And so it happens. He straps himself in, except for, like, the last parts. And then he hands him some buttons, which kind of looked like electrodes or something. But I guess they're buttons. 
and it, uh, his head is like in a vice. It looks really squished. I don't. It like I get. I, I assume why? he was fine, but it kind of looks like it's pushing in like way too far for the actor. Yeah, I but, feel like you can't really test this, or maybe they had to replace a guy. Yeah, he has a certain amount of time to push the buttons, and they'll poke his eyes out, and that's that's what it, it is. It is uh it's it, Jigsaw doing to him what he did to the women, basically, or him doing it to himself, technically. Yeah, and so that's kind of what the whole thing is, and then Rick just leaves at this point. He's just like, okay, I'm done. Bye. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sure. He, uh, the guy, the guy makes it to one eye. Can't do the other one. Time, time runs out. Bleh, limbs everywhere. Yeah. Just, just flopping. <laughs> Cuisin arts the bed. Yeah. It's just, just it, uh, I wrote, it's a lot. <laughs> it is definitely a lot. Uh, but he, uh, Rick did get a note before he left, which says, "Become the teacher and save a life. Go back to where it all began." And it's flashback time. Oh boy! God. So he's. This is another one where they don't tell us enough about what's going no. on ever. So he's I... he's in a school talking to a little girl who's got some bruises. And he's trying to get her to open up. And also behind him, like, there's an office and Hoffman's there. And there's a man and a woman in there. And it's not. It, it never really clarifies whether they're her parents or if, is this man the principal of the school or are they even married? It's eventually we do find out they're married. We get yes. that much. And it's incredibly obvious that this man beat her, beat the little girl up. Just beats like, everyone, really. He glares at her and like puts a finger over his lips, going "shh." And, and normally, this is why you keep the parents away from when the kids talking to someone. Yeah, pretty. They're they're just right within the uh, the uh, the line of sight of the abuse victim. And anyway. Mm -hmm. They take the girl, uh, the the cops take the girl away somewhere else. They're like, we can't let you go just yet. I'm sorry. And the man walks up to Rick. He's like, oh, man, these dang kids, they just get out of control, you know, and like pats him on the shoulder lightly. And Rick just turns around and starts beating him in the face, which I don't know. In the middle of a school. Yeah. Not not great police work, but, you know, in in this particular situation, I can't really can't really judge too harshly. Yeah. It's it's definitely one of those mm, I don't want to cheer for this but So that's that. Uh next scene I labeled how are we still interrogating Jill? She's basically <sighs> in that room the entire rest of the movie. Yeah, I don't think she leaves it. Just other people go places and come back to talk to her. So I, I wrote down a specific conversation uh, where Jill says, Gideon meant everything to him. I'm sorry, who? Do you know anything about the Chinese Zodiac? And Strom just goes, starts going, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I guess it's just another bullshit jigsaw thing. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh... <laughs> 
So yeah, uh, flashback time. Uh, so I guess the idea is he he needs he needs everything a certain way. He has plans, and this happened even before he was doing weird uh, Rube Goldberg machine uh, murder things. <laughs> and so this is this. It's not new. He like specifically engineered a baby, basically. But yeah. then we get a flashback. She's super pregnant this time. Uh, he's parked outside the clinic and a street lady comes up and goes, hey, you want a good time? He's like, no, thank you, ma'am. Also, don't go away. Don't do this here. Yeah. He does not say, I'm waiting for my wife, I noticed. Yeah. No, it's, it's, he doesn't. He doesn't get too judgy, really. He's just like, you could do better. Which is not also not great, but you know, yeah. It's generally the people I I would assume the people hooking outside a methadone clinic in this part of uh, hell probably not doing great. <laughs> yeah, although she you know seems pretty together. She just yeah. sees a random guy reading a book with his window open <laughs> on a dark street. Why is he not parked by the clinic? By the way. Uh, because he needs to be further away for reasons. I don't know. My my dude is picking up his wife and is not parked where she works. He's parked in the back of a container truck district. They, on, they only have so many places they can park a car. That's, the, the whole series uh, exteriors are a problem. Got it, got it. Yeah, you're right. I don't think we actually see the outside of a building that isn't just a photo. Yeah, it's mostly just, like, the Lionsgate surroundings. Like, the mm -hmm. stu the studio itself, so they probably only had so many places to pick from. I guess that makes sense. It's just, we could have solved a few problems if he went two blocks closer. Yes. So we could, we, that's kind of a running theme of the movies. So it's, huh. if, if, if things weren't quite, didn't, if things didn't go quite this way, it probably would have been a lot better for everybody. <laughs> and this is a, an excellent example coming up. Uh, knife, uh, she's she's about to leave, but uh, knife guy is here and he's pounding on the door. He's locked out. He's like, Jill, I forgot my jacket in there. Can you can you get it? And it's like, and she finally just lets him in, and he didn't forget his knife, so he just waves it at her. R uh, charges in to get d d drugs <laughs> in theory doesn't doesn't really specify exactly what on his way out he just slams the door right into her stomach and she miscarries immediately just like zero seconds blood coming out of there it's Ugh. and there is a part of me that just wonders when the knife has been pulled on you why don't you just walk outside? <laughs> yeah, no, she she just sort of ha hung out in there. She like, stays in the foyer. She's like, it's, well, it's it's the connecting passageway. There's like there's like two sets of doors. She's between them. I guess you can call yeah. that a foyer. Um, it's the best name I have. <laughs> uh, but no, she's just like walking up to the door, like Cecil, don't do this, please. Blech. Yeah. Which I I don't know. It's 
seems a little contrived, but it seems very. I feel like anyone who has worked in a high stress, high risk environment like this would also probably know you don't stick around in case someone is desperate and wants to cover loose ends. Don't let them in after hours. Also true. Uh, so he takes her to the... John finds this because he sees, like, the dude running away. And he takes her to the hospital and begins his thousand-yard stare. She says, all I wanted to do was help them. And he says, you can't help them. They have to help themselves. And, and so this dude got Jokerfied, but he became the architect from The Matrix. Yeah. So the previous, one of the previous movies established that uh, after he got his cancer diagnosis, he went, he ended up uh, driving his car off of a cliff in order to kill himself, but he survived. And that was what made him start killing people. And this doesn't necessarily contradict that, but it's kind of like a weird extra wrinkle. And I don't think they mentioned the driving the car off the cliff because I didn't recall that. There's a really quick flash to it at some point. I don't remember okay. exactly where. But, Maybe uh, I was taking notes. Strom is a little skeptical about that last that last thing leading straight to serial killing. But don't worry, our favorite officer of exposition has arrived and he's letting them know about the new problem at the motel. Yep. Also... Around this part where he starts building the traps and things, I have to wonder, he was an architect to begin with. I get that he would just do a lot of engineering and design traps. What happens if someone else is the... What does, like, a career streamer going nuts and becoming Jigsaw look like? Uh, well, that that's just it. If If that one thing had been different, then it never would have happened. If he had had some kind of a fake-ass job, this could have all been avoided. If he wouldn't have had the money to do this or the skills. If you just took out one or two dominoes, it wouldn't have all fallen over. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, at the motel, Strom is making more deductions about... Uh, he, he says at this point that uh, this is definitely an attempt to recruit Rig, which... A, one of many logical connections that I, I'm not really sure where that came from, but okay. Uh, mm -hmm. He also mentions that uh, the woman from before was a pimp. The hair woman, uh, Brenda. Yeah, she was a madam. He was, you know, this guy yeah. was unpleasant. Perhaps it, it, it's not made clear if they're like actually connected to each other because there's that they don't really have anything to do with the man and woman in the next scene either. So it no, might, it's, I, I don't she, think any of them are connected. They're just random people that Kramer heard about and didn't like. Yeah. Um, and we learned that the motel room was rented to a lawyer named Art Blank, who went missing two weeks ago. And they go, th they, they have an address. They're going there. Uh, and I thought they just didn't have, like, they just found Art on the thing. But no, his name is Art Blank. Yeah, I, th I assumed that would be, like, a uh, a pseudonym. Like yeah, this only one name was signed on this document. 
or just like yeah. or or just like this is obviously a fake name but no no that's really him um so they find another grungy warehouse and downstairs they find a tricycle hanging from the ceiling it's just there it's just like hi you're at the right place i guess and there's two envelopes on a little table there. Uh, one of them says, open the door and you'll find me. And the other says, you are in danger of getting too close. Step back. Which I guess is foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't see what's inside the folders. And uh, is what does this mean? We're the two jigsaw targets sure and uh, yeah i this again you've pointed out jigsaw is god that's the only way any of this plan works but i don't actually know what any is who's being tested we know rig is being put through the ringer but these two also have their own side hustle going on that mm -hmm. we never see a conclusion to we do it's just not in this movie. Oh, right, right. Okay. So. Yeah, no. I just remembered what, I just remembered the second half. Never mind. It's just a, a an interesting thing with this movie, just how it just keeps making less sense and keeps getting worse and it never stops. And then they start just like connecting all of the plot threads together in just completely baffling ways and then just expects you to catch up. This is the third time I've seen this movie for some reason. And if I did not have these notes here, I never would have pieced some of these things together near the end. I, I still haven't. So let's see where this goes. So we're back. We're back hanging with the Hoffmans. Uh, dude's still at the computer. And Matthews just goes, fuck you, and jumps off the ice block. And it's just like, nah, the, the dude at the computer's like, nah, uh, uh, don't do that, and just puts him right back on. And this, I, this is where we get the explanation of the seesaw thing, kind of. Sort of. But basically, it's a counterbalance, and the weight of the, uh, it's the weight of the ice plus the weight of the man is necessary. And I don't think Matthews really understands or cares. It's just there. Matthews clearly doesn't care. It's, he doesn't speak for most of this. Yeah, no, he's just going, fuck you. Yeah. But wait, that guy, I recognize him. It's Art Blank, the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Flashback. I think it's around here where they reveal he's the winner in the opening. They know they don't they don't like if if you recognized him from the opening, you could get that. But they don't actually like make it explicit until later, which I know okay. because I didn't make that connection. I was just like, where did he get the cheek wound? I thought it was just a weird tattoo for a while. Nope, nope. It's uh, it's sewn together cheek stuff. Hmm. Anyway, uh. It's a flashback to a meeting with uh, Rig and Hoffman and Art Blank, 
the lawyer. And the lawyer's just like, <laughs> internal affairs is not going to do the right thing here. Come on. And Hoffman's like, the man attacked him first. He didn't. And it's, I guess it's already taken care of. And it's just like, well, the lawyer's just like, well, okay. You guys have some real, real bad karma coming. Bye. And then yeah. I wrote back in the present, Matthews calls Art a motherfucker a few times. I guess what else do you do when you're chained on a block of ice? So the next trap, I was having trouble coming up with the name. I, I, I was thinking I'll make funny names for all of them. And then I like gave up on the third one. Uh, th th we are going to examine the bonds of marriage. <laughs> so I just had extreme acupuncture. That that's pretty good. It's pretty good. So uh, this this one takes place at the school from before from the flashback. Uh, there's some blood arrows on the wall, which is very convenient, very useful. Thank you. And it leads to a specific classroom. Uh, let's see. Save as I save is on the chalkboard, and the man and woman from the flashback they're hanging back to back in the center of the room with one big spike through them. There's a bunch of x-rays and, like, a diagram of the circulatory system that you would find in, like, an elementary school. Uh, it's Yeah. Uh, it's sh that's showing on a projector. Somewhere else in the room is just, your life is in her hands. She wakes up first and goes, I, I won! And then it flashes back uh, to yeah. the same scene, but a whole lot more spikes. Straight through both of them. Did I, did I say they're, like, hanging in the center of the room? Yeah, they're they're sort of stuck around a pole. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like a pole. They wouldn't really put a pole in the middle of a classroom usually, though. It's like Jigsaw added one or something. Yeah, it's whatever it is. They're on opposite sides of it. They yeah, they are back to back, and any any given pole is through both of them. This is the most nonsensical one based on what we see about it. Because there are, I think, seven double-ended arrows, bolts, that have been shot through the both of them. Basically just giant spikes. Yeah. But there are, on her, they're all meant to be in places that will hurt, but can heal. They're not mm -hmm. permanently damaging. On him, they're all through key arteries. Yes. Yes. So these had to be <laughs> lined up very precisely, <laughs> but we also see they were put through them with a crossbow. So how in oh, the that's, world? That's what that crossbow was for. Okay. Yeah. How in the world was this set up? It's, it's possible the crossbow was just there for if they ran out of time. No, because she's supposed to just bleed out if so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, huh. what? How did you set this up? I did, I did not make the crossbow connection. That makes, that makes it a lot stupider. Yeah. They, I, I thought you were going with, like, at knowing the people that are involved in this, how is any given one of them accurate enough to not, like, pierce a lung? But... That's exactly it. It's got to be precise. On both ends, so you're aiming blind on one side with a very precise angle 
between two bodies seven times. They're very Jigsaw is very good. That's <laughs> wild. So basically, uh, the idea behind this trap is this is a toxic marriage. Can you pull yourself free? The metaphor is like pull, you pull the spike out of you and it hurts you less than it hurts him. And mm-hmm. he deserves it, I guess. Fuck him. <laughs> it's, it's pretty clear that any one of them coming out will kill him. Yeah, they, he's done. He's already done. It, it, it's really unclear how, like, she's not going to bleed out. It's, it's just a sort of a vague uh, medicine stuff. We're, we're good. She wastes zero yeah. time. Like, as soon as that tape ends, she's pulling. She's like, fuck you. She's making the best faces. <laughs> oh, yeah. She makes... She, she's just constantly going... <laughs> it's very silly. It's wild. But she wasn't able... I love this scene. She wasn't able to get the last one uh, before passing out, I guess. But, okay, he, Rig kind of ignores her and just picks up another tape that he finds on the floor or something. It's like... And Behind the, um... Behind the projector, because it's look off the map is somewhere in here. I think I think that one happens after. That's in this room because he goes looking behind the projector. Right. I just I'm just saying I, I thought that was later in the scene, but whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He he finds he finds the thing that uh, basically says, "Well, do you think she's learned her lesson?" And he just kind of leaves. At one point, he demands that uh, the woman tell him where his wife is. Which, how does how is she gonna know? That's the other message. I think it's save as I save is this one. Yeah. So he just gives her a coat, puts the key, which is the save key, in her hand so she can get a chain off. And then he walks out and just yanks a fire alarm. He doesn't exactly hand her the key. I watched it a few times. Because I was trying to see what happens. He just kind of flashes it in her face, and then it cuts away. It's not clear if he actually gave her the key or not. I assume he did, but... Yeah. It's it's a, one of the worst edits in the film, I think. I think my brain also flagged that, but I didn't write it down. But yes, I was trying to think, did he give her the key under the coat? How is she going to get the spike off with a coat on her? It worked out. There's a lot of questions. It worked out, I guess. Yeah, she she I believe they say she survives because of the alarm stunt. Yeah. Uh we go back to the big room with the ice. Matthews wants to die, Hoffman wants him to shut up. And we move on. Just a, not yeah. a reminder, I guess. Just just in case we forgot. <laughs> and I I guess it's padding because this is barely 90 minutes. Yeah, no, it's it's the credits run at like 75 this film is incredibly tight but that makes it wild that there's so much you could cut out of it uh it's a oh oh, right as as rig was leaving he pulls the fire alarm yeah which summons the feds uh they, they they point out that the man was doomed just absolutely no chance uh but then Perez gets a phone call. Everyone in the traps got acquitted by Art Blank. Yep. And 
And then... <laughs> then some fucking schlub elsewhere in the room is dusting the spike launcher for Prince and just yes. sets it off and it just goes right into some other random woman in the room. Just bleh. Everyone's yeah, freaking right out and screaming, head. and our main characters just ignore it. <laughs> they jump. It was, I've got to say, the last <laughs> good belly laugh this movie got out of me, because I just did not see that coming. Yeah, she just eats shit. Yeah, just a, ra a random person bumps this thing, and another random person completely die and they do not skimp on the effect of it going through a head <laughs> they they don't have names they don't have lines and the main characters don't seem to care <laughs> yep so <laughs> well that's someone else's paperwork and trauma so uh, somewhere in this conversation they find the address i guess she gets a text and uh, it uh, another unclear thing they're they're they start really speeding through the exposition at this point um oh yeah but it turns out the school is co-owned by jill tuck yep because <laughs> the four walls make a home foundation whatever it is was involved in fixing it up or was going to do people own schools um you can actually buy a school if it is no longer in use. Yeah, I. It it is also not clear if this is a public or private school. To be fair, that's also true. It, the the building looks ruined. Yeah, it looks like a public school. Yeah, <laughs> not that not that private schools are not always ruined, but they have a lot more money to work with. They they probably wouldn't be left where there's just random trash in the halls and seventies paint styles. Yeah. Once they've discovered this, they go down the hallway, guns drawn, and they see the office. It just it says office, but they wrote a B in there. In the blood paint. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I'm coming up blank. Uh, that might have been like a sequel bait thing that they just didn't follow up on. I think it's the only thing that signals to them, maybe you should look in this room instead of anything else. But why was it a B? <laughs> I don't know. I cannot figure it out. So there's a doll enshrined in this room. So it's on a chair. There's candles around it. And uh, it just start. It's got a tape on it, of course. And uh, Jigsaw always knows exactly who's going to play the tapes. Like it could be yes. any cop wandering in here right now. But but he he knows he's he's got it like dead on like I'd probably ninety five percent of the time in all of these movies. Agent Perez, welcome to my world. Strom's going to kill an innocent man soon. Your next move is critical. Open the door. But like I, that probably came out loud, but it was like really quiet. Yeah. And so she leans in, trying to hear it better. Boom! She's just flacking her neck. She's taken away. That's the last we ever see of her. <laughs> yeah. Do, well, uh, that's... Does she live? Does she come back? Yes. It is, okay. it is suggested in Saw 5 that she died. And then in 6, it's like, oh, surprise, she's, she's still fine. We just, we, we were withholding information from people for reasons. Okay. 
Yeah, I I wonder because she just vanishes from the movie on a stretcher. It's pro- it's possible there was a contract dispute. Now, this does result in what was to me the most unintentionally funny scene of the movie where Strom, who was standing a couple feet behind her, got sprayed <laughs> with all the blood from this and then walks back into Jill Tuck's interrogation room and basically goes, this is my partner all over my shirt. You want to <laughs> tell me what's going on here? Yes, yes. He he starts really just flying off the handle here. We do have another Hoffman scene, but it, it doesn't matter. No. It's an, uh, it, it is, it, it, the only thing that matters in that one is uh, Art, Art Blank, the lawyer, uh, says, if this other guy passes his test, the three of us can go free. And then he just ha- he hands Matthews a gun, because why not? With one bullet in it. <laughs> he is very carefully loaded. So yeah, Strom is in the interrogation room. He's screaming questions that are, uh, what happened between Jigsaw and Art Blank? Flashback. And I guess it was his lawyer, too. <laughs> well, yeah. I, no, they, they did establish he was uh, Jill's lawyer, so I guess that's fine. And John's business partner. Yep. And uh, John is just like, I don't give a shit about any of this anymore. Give everything to Jill, whatever. Get get the fuck mm-hmm. out of here. At, at one point, the he does knock over, or Art Blank does knock over the doll. And then John, once he leaves, John walks over and just picks it gently back up. This is, that's, this is my child now. Yeah. This would be a much more interesting character if we weren't just seeing, like, every two or three months snapshots (laughs) in one-minute chunks of his deteriorating mental state. Yeah, we get, like, we get more of it in the other movies, and it's just kind of assumed that you already know them. But if you don't, oh well. And I suppose, yeah, if you've covered this prior, but... For me, I was just going, okay, crazier, 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 and just the right amount as we take our hand off the dial. So at this point, Jill is like, I tried to contact him, but he had changed. And then we flash back. She finds a bunch of photos of the knife guy and also a box that Jigsaw doesn't let her look back. And then it it flashes back further. We get a flashback in a flashback. And this this is kind of amazing. He just it, it's it's like a Chinese New Year celebration. Yes. John just chloroforms the knife guy like right in the middle of like a huge crowd and nobody like notices or cares. I actually love the way he does this. We see him prep the rag. He puts on a ceremonial pig mask. He puts the rag under another mask, shoves it on the guy's face, and then they vanish as a dragon goes by. Kinda clever. And then the knife face thing. So, knife guy wakes up, he's tied to a chair, there's, like, blades on the armrests, so he can't, like, put his arms down, which is just rude. Uh, John yeah. is John is also there, and he, he... I guess at this point he has discovered advanced nihilism, and he will never, ever, ever <laughs> shut up about it any, like, ever again for the rest of his life or several movies after. 
you're not wrong. And he then he, uh, after uh, some more cussing, uh, John just brings out the the knife rack and just puts it near, like straps it to his head. There's knives. There's a button in front of him. Push your face through the knives. Go. Yeah. If you if you shove this hard enough with your face, it will unlock your restraints. And it does, after a lot of back and forth probing and finally shoving it in. It seems like it just kind of breaks unintentionally. I don't think he actually hit the button. I think it just it just snapped. You know, it is kind of hard to tell because the camera gets crazed here. There's a thing that, let's say, the lesser Saw movie actors do. Uh, and this guy does an excellent job of it. Uh, when they're stuck in the trap and doing their thing, they just start going. Yes. Like a lot. He makes so many more noises than anyone in the film. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's quite it's a sonic treat is what it is. Mm hmm. So anyway, <laughs> so he falls out of the chair, whether that was intentional or not. I guess we'll just leave to the filmmakers to answer he stands up and just starts charging uh for john who just steps aside because there's a giant uh like cage filled with barbed wire right behind him and he just falls right in there and starts writhing mm -hmm. which is smooth and i don't think you can ever play the this man did not kill these people they killed themselves card <laughs> After he roadrunner sidesteps <laughs> and this guy wily coyotes into a field of barbed wire. He made his choice. It's designed to tangle him. He he made he didn't have to charge. He made his choice. <sighs> so we uh, from that flashback, we go back to the other flashback. We flash forward a little into flashback prime i don't think he told her what happened to the knife guy i think she guesses but yeah nothing is said nothing is said i don't the important thing is he destroys his metaphor clock yeah like uh, 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 the the machine of my life has been destroyed Blah. and then Which sucks because that's a nice clock it is a very nice clock like the prop and set people in these movies can really consistently do a great job. Like I, yeah, even even in this mess, <laughs> like I I can't fault like very many of the like the actual practical decisions. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. Yeah, I'll call out how dumb some of the traps are, but at no point was I going, boy. They cheaped out on this one. That would never work like that. Mm-hmm. So she leaves upset, and this is when uh, he goes to the box that she was looking at that he didn't let her look at. He uh, pulls it off, and there's a glass box inside with shattered glass inside of it. That's the last we see of that. It it does not come up again in this movie. It it I was I was gonna say, was that from like the first one? Is this setting up the first film? No, this is uh this is another sequel bait thing. This this comes up what? again in five. 
They, Why would he do that? Oh, good God. He was he was setting up his games, like, really far in advance this time. So is this where we get to talk about how the cops have all been so incredibly bad at this the entire time they've known who John Kramer was? I think so, because uh, this is when... Strom, uh, we we get back to the present. Strom leaves, and he looks at his photos and goes, "Ah!" Oh, just charges right back in there. Uh, mm-hmm. He he starts going. Uh, Your son was named after John's first building, right? Where is it? 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 Like, could, yeah. could you not look this up? Did you not already check this no out? One, no one ever looked up the very first building he bought in s- and still owned the whole time in six months insane especially if there's a manhunt on for him why would that not have been checked yeah that's pr- that might be the single dumbest thing in this movie which is impressive yes and like also like i said Rick, it just keeps yeah. falling apart it it it, so, it just untangles and they like keep grasping for it and it just gets worse. It's like falling in funnier. it's like falling into a cage filled with barbed wi- barbed wire. <laughs> Rig also figures out he needs to go to the Gideon meatpacking plant based on the G that was printed on a photo of his wife, which he saw on the knife at the very start of the movie, and which is the G in the Gideon on the sign on the building, which I don't know if he's ever seen it, but he figures it out. He got there. There there may have yep. been more information on the photo. We usually we don't really get a very good look at a lot of the text that he sees. He sa- it says, go home, but the G is that G from Gideon. Okay. So he takes that clue, thinks oh, back you to know, the knife with the G. You know what? I think it said somewhere in the movie that he lives near it. Okay. So that's the explanation for that. All right. I did not catch that one because I could not figure out how those things led him there. I could not tell you when in the movie it says it, but I think they did actually say that. That does also explain why the knife is old and rusty, because I could not tell why something that I thought was pulled out of his kitchen did that. Okay, not really well explained, but that does lock a few things in. So Rig shows up at the Gideon building, and this is where the plot just kind of completely falls apart. The editing does not help. I believe I mentioned at some point I have seen this movie three times for some reason. The first two times, just absolutely no idea what was happening here. It's just just quick cuts, it's yelling and well <laughs> we'll get there yeah uh so there's a note that says patience remember who in capital letters you are saving time is on your side he ignores it uh mm-hmm. so matt uh we cut to the big trap room matthews somehow gets the revolver loaded despite looking like he's having an aneurysm I think it was loaded carefully by Art before it was handed to him. No, he def- he definitely did it himself. <laughs> okay. Hmm. So, th- at th- this 
this is the time that everyone looks up at the ceiling because they notice a bunch of extra wires. And there's two giant ice blocks over his head on a... uh, What would you even call that? Pendulum? Sure, like a double pendulum coming out from the center. And there it is tied to uh, the door, which has the words final test on it. As soon as you look at that, you go, oh, they're going to fall and smash together right on this dude's head. Yep. And so everyone in the room is brought up to speed on this and Art takes out this big ass button and drops his coat and there's some kind of claw on his back. Yeah, there's just like a thing tied to him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm still just hung up on how did nobody notice this thing? And I think even Art looks at it and is like, oh, oh wow, that's fucked up. Like, like I think this is when he first sees yeah, it. This is gigantic ice blocks. Like, as big as the one uh, he's standing on, which is big, yeah. by the way. Like, it, oh, yeah. I, 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 I cannot stress enough. This is like... Like four by three by four feet or something. It's huge. Yeah, this would this would fill the bay of some trucks. It would just be the water got in it from the rain and then it froze. And we cut again to Rig also going through the hallway. There's there's a bunch of quick cuts here. If I don't get all of these right, it's too bad. It's really hard to describe this scene linearly. So he finds a no- another note box, but there's nothing in it. Also, Strom's here somewhere else in the building, and he's also running through. And it kind of cuts between those two for a while. Um, there's a hallway with all of the slogans that he's seen, and there's four minutes left uh, and a note that says, have you learned how to truly save a life? Um, uh, Strom... F- finds a key with a picture of a happy family attached which you may mm-hmm. recognize but but which you probably didn't I didn't and this is when we cut to comic book guy yeah so hey it's Jeff from Slaw 3 remember Jeff <laughs> no it's Jeff aren't you excited I think at this point I was screaming at you watching the ending yeah. of this film because a third dude had showed up in the last five minutes. I, I very deliberately kept this information from you. I I, I, I I was making sure not to tell you that, by the way, the ending of this movie happens at the same time and also intercut with the ending of Saw 3. <laughs> so now we're cutting between three men wandering the halls yep. of this warehouse. The, uh, there's a woman with, uh, there's a doctor woman with a shotgun collar. Uh, which goes off, and it's a big mess. Uh, Amanda's there, yeah. and she's super crazy at this point. Um, and I think this is the only time that we see her in the whole film? Uh, yes. Yes, I believe it is only- they mention her name a bunch. Yeah, it's only- ar- I thought Jill was her at first. No, it's only archive footage. Yeah. Uh, they do eventually, in a later movie, 
they do eventually film some extra scenes from her in this part for a flashback. Good God. Look, the continuity in these movies is a mess, and I love it. They try, they, everything is canon. And it, they, they almost never directly contradict it. It's great. Okay. Like, it does, it, it rarely makes enough sense to be worth it, but it's just, I kind of love, I just kind of love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, so, yes, Art has the button, and there's 40 seconds left until he can press the button. Mm-hmm. Jeff, uh, at this point, the Je- uh, Amanda kills, uh, the doctor lady who was Jeff's wife. He shoots her, and we've all seen it. We've all seen Saw 3, of course. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. And he kills the fuck out of Jigsaw. Cuts his throat. He, he finds a power saw, like a... What, what, is, what is the term for them? It's... Sawzall? I don't know. There's a spe- Rotary saw? There is a specific term for it, which... I yeah. it was it was mentioned in that visual novel uh, about firefighting uh, root double. You're describing this like this is in the film. What happens is we see him go into a room, a head explodes. We then cut <laughs> yes. back when Strom walks in. No, so he 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 has the saw. He cuts the jigsaw's throat, and then his wife's head explodes. But she like she's already yeah. mostly dead at this point. Strom's there, but, but Riggs elsewhere. He's at he's at the door with ten seconds left. The final test room. Everybody's like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it!" He does it. He charges through. Uh, yes. Matthews shoots him. The door slams yeah, open. Open. Yeah. Riggs shoots Art. Then then the head thing goes off. Yep. It just boom. Sorry. And so. In this room, in in the main room, Rig is now gut shot. Mm-hmm. Matthews is dead. Super dead. Art is on the floor. Yeah, Matthews is paced. Uh, Art yeah. is on the floor, and he's just going, you asshole, you asshole, you couldn't have waited one more second. <laughs> Jigsaw's testing you, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah, and... Rig just puts a bullet in him and crawls over to the tape that he was trying to play. But first, before that happens, <sighs> we also cut back to the Saw 3 ending, and Strom's there. He opens the door into it, and we get some new footage of Jeff yelling, <gasps> Where is my daughter? You blum blum, dead. And he would probably be fine, except his response to someone entering this room who says get down on the ground, which gives off very big cop vibes, is he raises a gun and screams, where is my daughter, you piece of shit? And of course he gets blown away. He's had a, a very stressful day. As, as, as you know, as a big Saw 3 fan. So, so as I see this, <laughs> I have no idea who anyone in that room is except Strom. Comic book guy has just entered the movie in the last five minutes. And he's dead. Really upset. 
and committed suicide by cop. <laughs> so, this was actually the thing from earlier in the movie I, uh, that I brought up, where, uh, well, mm -hmm. uh, no, wait, we're still one plot twist away, never mind. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's the tape. Yep. He hits, uh, R Rig finds the tape, and then the song starts playing. So, the song is mm -hmm. a recurring thing in this series. It, uh, basically, once that starts going off, you know you're at the end of the movie, and it is time for the final twist. It's usually some top-shelf, grade-A, grass-fed, organic, artisanal bullshit. Uh, yes. It is... It is usually, uh, it is always, uh, intercut with, like, quick flashes through the film of people speaking. Usually, like, every little bit of, uh, foreshadowing that they stuck in there, just placed right there, just in case you didn't get it, explaining it to you like you're a four-year-old. So I do have a bit of an aside about the song. Uh, in the original movie, on, uh, the soundtrack for that, the title yeah. for this song... This this very eerie song that play th that uh, it's a very catchy song, honestly. Uh, mm -hmm. It plays at the end of every movie, and it is the climax of the film is titled "Hello Zep." <laughs> what? Because the main uh, Adam, the uh, one of the two main characters, finds a tape, and the tape starts. Hello Zep. Because Zep was another character played by the creepy guy from Lost. It's it's a whole thing in the first movie, but um okay, it does it doesn't matter for this. But um the point is, through the later movies on the soundtracks, like they kept they tr renamed it a few times. They kept like trying to do do something else with it, but I guess everyone just kept calling it Hello Zep. And so at some point they just gave up and is like Zep 6, Zep 8, Zep 9. And I do want to sp <laughs> I and I do want to give a very special shout out to Saw 3D the final chapter which called its the final Zep. That's pretty good. Beautiful. That is excellent. While we're discussing soundtrack just on this, I did a little bit of research on this because that is the kind of anal retentive a-hole I am when it comes to podcasting. Mm -hmm. And I did discover that X Japan put together a single, which was apparently the theme of Saw 4 called IV. Mm -hmm. It is not on the soundtrack. And that was, that was a surprise to me. That one did. That was an unexpected twist. That one did not make it onto the official soundtrack. Uh, yeah, it looked like it had a um, bit of a wild ride of a history. So, yeah. So the tape, it's, it says, you shouldn't have saved these people. You shouldn't have come here. You failed. Something like that. And then, <sighs> off in the background, Hoffman stands up. Because the electricity was a lie. Because he was the the accomplice the entire time. So he marches up to uh he marches up to rig and there's like 
a quick flash of him writing a note to Amanda and Amanda looking at the note from uh, which was also footage from Saw 3. We don't see what's in the mm-hmm. note until a later movie. <laughs> this is also sequel bait. And this also recontextualizes the scene earlier where there was a mask behind him because he stands up after putting the note in the drawer and that's just a mask hanging on the wall. He wasn't abducted. He just went from that into this room and faked being kidnapped. But they but they cut it to make it look like he was in fact being kidnapped. <laughs> or it may it, like it yeah. something like it may have happened. It might have been like a, a fun prank, like haha, we're kidnapping you. Nope. Yeah, no, just they just re-show that entire sequence except from a slightly different camera angle, except for the final shot. Okay. I I yeah. I missed I I guess I missed that whole that whole part about the pig being just on the wall. Yeah, the pig was still when we saw him earlier and then we show that again cuz he was doing something with a drawer. Okay. And that's when it's like, "Oh, grade A bullshit." Yes. So, this also uh ends up uh, remember back earlier in the film he is holding a stuffed animal and he says it's for a girl. It's for Jeff's daughter, mm-hmm. who who is kid, uh, kidnapped elsewhere in the building. She does eventually mm. make it out in like the opening of Saw Five. I was about to say that seems like a giant missing. Yeah, all right. And and then he just kind of walks out. Like Rick's still alive. He's like bleeding, but he's yeah. just kind of like you. You failed. And just just yeah, leaves. Broken. He just stands. He just sits there. He's still got a gun. Yeah, and like the the room's not locked. <gasps> yeah, you don't you don't know that he's gonna. Uh, well, okay, he, bye. And I, mm. I guess it work it works out because he is he is dead by the next movie. And as one little bit of insult to injury, he walks up to the room that Strom, Jeff, and everyone else were in, and he just locks the door as he leaves. And shuts off the lights. Yeah. So I guess that guy dies too. No. Okay. No, he is, Maybe he not. is in I, fact I wrote him off as He dead. is in fact the main character of Saw Five. It's it's a whole thing. Got it, because yeah, I thought that was him just killing him and doing every loose end. Rest assured he does die. They all die. <laughs> <laughs> they always die. If you like dead <sighs> cops, not to get too weird, but this is this is a good series for it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I mean, Dexter's coming back in a month, so I'm good. Okay. I don't recall a whole lot of, uh, not too many dead cops in that one. You basically lost one every two seasons from the main cast. That's that is true. I, I guess you're right. Anyway, yeah, we we go back to the beginning of the film, which we now know was the end of the film. I didn't actually have that recontextualized, yep. so I. So okay. we, we are at the, remember, we are at the autopsy of Jigsaw, who dies at the end of the film. Right. Okay. I hadn't put two and two together there. So yeah, that's, I don't think I realized the guy in that room was Jigsaw. Yeah, that I guess that's fair. If, if you have not seen, if you have seen the other movies, he's like very recognizable. But yeah. I guess if you haven't, okay. then Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't put that together. So that's, huh? Yeah, I was wondering why we cut back to this. Okay, the tape basically just says vaguely threatening stuff like, "You will, you will not walk away untested." 
I promise my work will continue. And th- mm. that's it. The th- end of the movie. Rick's still alive, kind of. Uh, he'll he'll fix that, I guess. Strom's locked in a room. Everyone else is dead, pretty much. And uh, but whatever. Yeah. We're we're at the time. We can run the credits and hit ninety minutes. We're done. Bye. <sighs> what the hell? So, this is easily one of the most incomprehensible film experiences I've had in years. Part of that, I'm sure, is that I was not coming at... I didn't know the Saw series was like a mini-series, basically, where you just get episode into episode into episode. I thought these were standalone arcs that just... Okay, everyone's tied up in this thing, because I only knew them in passing. Mm -hmm. And there was an old guy in an apron, because I'd seen him on the posters, and occasionally, um... Construction equipment builds him on the posters, so maybe he's mechanical. <laughs> but that's all I knew. This was the first third was jarring as I tried to get a grasp on who any of these people were. The second third was actually pretty like I was in it in the middle. <laughs> I'll give you that because as we're going through things, you know, the the cops, the federal agents are very bad at their job, but everything's sort of flowing together and they're always one step behind. And all right, I can deal with a bit of cat and mouse, a bit of the fugitive kind of thing. They're thinking they got the right guy, but it's the wrong man. But nothing goes anywhere with any of that. You never have Rig in a position where people are going to go and hold a gun to him and he goes, you've got the wrong man. You never have anything come of him putting on the mask for one second because there are cameras in the room. None of this does anything. And by the third act, I just lost the plot (laughs) and was screaming, thinking, you can't, you never went to his first piece of land. You've, I didn't even know the guy was on the run this whole time, which so many things did not click until... Suddenly, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Yeah, I... This movie's such a mess. It's... Uh, I, I, while I would understand if you never want to see another one of these fucking things again, I hope you at least understand why I'm just kind of fascinated by them. It's... It's just... It, so, it's so weird. Like, especially... Like, the first movie is, like, a pretty standard low-budget horror movie, like, with a couple of, like, interesting weird things about it. But, like, it's pretty straightforward. And then it turns into some sort of just insane cop psychodrama. And... Yeah, and... I just... Then throws all of it out. And it... Yeah, like, none of it matters... In the end, things just keep happening, and any time anybody's starting to get a character arc, they just they find themselves in a trap and they just fucking die. It I and it just a keeps very happening. Interesting movie is in this. Yes. So uh, one one of the reasons I wanted to rewatch all these all of these was just to kind of 
get it you know get it all back in my brain and just remember like it it's weird because like my rankings essentially of like the movies by quality haven't changed at all like some of them slid up and down a little bit but not enough to like ch- change anything really it's hmm. the first movie is as i said just standard low budget horror movie it's pretty good it's fun it's breezy it's dumb but it's it's got enough going for it to just make it through uh saw 2 i generally just like a lot it slid down a little bit for me this time because uh like the stuff in the grand uh the grand game let's call it uh, mm-hmm. that stuff was like a bit a bit shallower than i had remembered uh, um but like there was a lot of it, it was it was the movie where jigsaw shows up and he sort of cements his place in in the franchise and it's like his scenes are really compelling and there's a lot of fun little details and like a pretty good twist at the end and then saw three you can kind of start to see it sort of crack you can sort of see like how the flaws are not getting better as as the budget Mm -hmm. gets bigger and the traps get bigger but like the plot is just kind of starting to meander like a lot and then saw four yeah. just snaps wide open i from what i under uh, this is like kind of half vaguely remembered from the uh the commentary track from repo the genetic opera which was also directed by darren lynn Bozeman. in order for lionsgate to let him make the movie that he actually wanted he had to come back for saw four and it kind of shows. That's, yeah. And it that's a deal I would take. There, there was a, a a thing mentioned offhand that they deliberately built some sets in order, in a certain way, in order to also be able to use them in Repo. It's pretty clear that like, pe- the filmmakers' attention was starting to drift, and like the pressure of making these one one after another every October, starting to really strain and then saw five came out after that and i still think that's pretty good like the actual the actual uh trap game in the middle of it is pretty short pretty breezy uh the cop stuff is buck wild (laughs) yeah uh it opens with uh it opens continuing through this strom just like finds a door in the back i guess that's what open the door was supposed to mean Oh, okay. So he finds a door in the back of the room and goes and then just, like, ends up with his head in a glass box that fills with water. and then, But he still what? has his fountain pen. So he stabs himself in the throat and uses that to get air. Which... Okay. And that that's how he survives. And so he <laughs> spends the rest of the movie talking like this. And honestly, kind of losing it. Kind of metal. And, you know, not to get into too much detail, but like I just did, <laughs> but, you know, it's it uh, that one still like, again, there's there's some there's some real bad scenes. But overall, I do still think it's pretty entertaining. And then six is like, this is an interesting idea, but oh, man. <laughs> hmm. Because six is. 
I don't know how this turned into me just like talking about the movies one by one, but six is taking on the health insurance industry. <laughs> what? The main victim is a health insurance CEO and his employees and like his lawyer. They're all trapped up in this. And it's about and like they're so evil. <laughs> like as evil as you would expect health insurance executives to be like they're double that so there's all that but like the actual like events are kind of just bad like the different traps are the 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 one that probably everybody remembers is there's six people on a carousel that is constantly rotating and there's a shotgun mm -hmm. and two of them can live go <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's Sorry. it's a kind of a harrowing scene, as you can imagine. Because mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, I can imagine that being really tense, depending on how you. Like they're they're awake, they are coherent, and they are very unhappy about this thing that is happening to them. Yeah, uh, but it does kind of go against like, like I I think I mentioned this way way back at the beginning of this, but like one one of the big appeals to me is just the idea that. If you are tough enough, if you are good enough, you can get out of this. Like, they can't. Hmm. Like, at least four of them are gonna go. Like, like the, the survivability varies based on the movie and the scene. I feel like I need to do one before this and one after this just to see where this ranks. Because this is flat in the middle. And then Saw 7 is just a fucking disaster. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that the one that killed everything? Uh, that well, I mean, that that was uh, Lionsgate saying, "Okay, the money's drying up. Finish this. Go." Got it. And then, all, so all the rest of the cops died. Mm hmm. But yeah, part of what we've been planning with the show is back and forth picks between the two of mm -hmm. us. So next week, you're going to get me in the host seat, and I have decided that I'm going to surprise you with something I can guarantee you have not seen, and which I actually find to be very good. Okay. I am going to hit you with Nobuo Nakagawa's Jigoku, or The Sinners of Hell. Alright, elevator pitch. A young man gets involved with the Yakuza mm -hmm. after a hit-and-run, and the guilt of this and hiding the crime and the lengths he goes to uh, throws him and the people around him into a state of madness, which wraps in one of the wildest sequences, which, <laughs> even though you will look at it now and go, okay, these effects are dated, you will also probably look at it and go, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. Okay, sounds fascinating. Uh, where is so where can this be found uh, so yeah I have looked it up it is in fact on the Criterion channel so if you wish to watch along it it is there we'll see if all of these are this long because uh, like I said we're still feeling this out but I had a lot to say about this I hope you enjoyed our Halloween spooktacular <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see you again soon for another cheap scare. All right. I don't, I don't know how I feel about sign-offs. 
Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.